Welcome to The Backbone, but first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. On this episode, I chat with Frank Jessup, Director of Finance at Sensible, a company that powers banks with best-in-class receipt management solutions. Frank joined the company in March 2016. Prior to joining Sensible, Frank managed the emerging company services practice at PwC, providing financial consulting services to high-growth startups in Toronto. Frank also sits on the board of Maple Leaf Angels, a not-for-profit angel group connecting experienced investors with great entrepreneurs. Frank holds a Bachelor of Mathematics degree from the University of Waterloo and is a chartered financial analyst as well as a chartered accountant. So, without further ado, let's hear from Frank Jessup, Director of Finance at Sensible. Frank, thanks again for coming on The Backbone and chatting with me. I want to get started right away. And so talk to me about your path into tech and how you got started with Sensible. Sure, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so uh, I started, uh, I studied mathematics at University of Waterloo uh, in their co-op program. So yeah, great, great university, great co-op program. And uh, as part of the math program, they, they kind of force you into some IT classes and computer class, computer science right at the beginning of your degree, and I used that to get an IT job at PricewaterhouseCoopers um, in their IT department, um, doing some programming. Uh, and then, even though that was not really my interest, um, but I ended up using that. Really liked working for the firm. Mm-hmm. Used that experience to transfer over into their assurance practice, uh, and specifically in their tech and entertainment space. Oh, cool. um, so yeah, from the beginning was working with large and small tech entertainment clients um, and went back, finished my degree, uh, did my business classes at Laurier to um, ensure I was able to get my CA designation. And, and then basically the rest is history. Um, from day one, I was under a great mentor, um, a previous guest of your podcast, Eugene Bomba. So he was yeah, a, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. So he was a manager of mine and his career developed quickly as he became a partner and led the emergence, emerging company services practice at PwC. And so I managed all the clients there and, uh, yeah, really loved the startup space. And um, as he left the firm, I wanted to as well. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, so you spent you know your your time at uh, Waterloo, and then from Waterloo you were at PwC. Yep. Um, so after PwC, now you're at Sensible, mm-hmm. and so talk talk to me a little bit about what Sensible is and and what you guys do at Sensible. Sure. So. Sensible is a fintech startup here in Toronto. Uh, we integrate receipt management into digital banking applications. Essentially, we partner with financial institutions to allow their customers to manage their receipts. So customers have their digital receipts and they can use this and it's part of their banking apps and they use this for returns, taxes, warranties and expense management and also uh, can have better insight into their spending spending patterns because we have item level data from the receipts. Um, and that hmm. item level data also provides the financial institution more opportunities to engage with their customers because they have better insight into their customers. Got it, got it. So is it, uh, does it have to be a digital receipt? Like, or can I like scan in my, like, let's say, so uh, I bank with uh, Scotia. And so um, if I were to scan in my receipt, uh, like, or does it have to be a digital receipt? Like, how does that part work? So so we have, so you use your phone to take a photo. Um, We have uh, the OCR technology that reads the paper receipt. Got it. um, And did then digitize it. Um, you can also forward any digital receipts, like for your Uber receipts, for example, or yeah. or you can allow the the software to scan your emails for receipts, and then that'll just be oh. pushed into your Scotiabank app, and you can you know you see your Visa transactions, and you click on one, and the receipts there, and. You know, there's lots of functionalities from there. So, got it. So, uh, I guess as a consumer using the bank's app, I, I don't know that it's sensible, or like, do I have to install a sensible app? No, it is. So, it's a we're a white label solution. Uh, and got it. We make it look and feel, and it's just so you should be using it right now because we're partnering with Scotiabank. So, mm-hmm. so if you click on you know the left toolbar, you'll see e receipts as an option, and you and you can yeah. sign up to have an email at Scotia receipts where you can forward those Uber receipts, for example. Um, right. So we, so we allow the, it's similar to like the check capture service that kind of white label Got it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. offering or are offering. Yeah. Nice. So you guys are kind of in the background, like powering this technology and, exactly. uh, the- and that's our sort of distribution strategy is to partner with these large financial institutions. And now all of a sudden we have access to, millions of customers when we turn on one large bank right right so speaking of uh, large banks and you know things large in general you guys recently raised a 17 million dollar series a by far one of the largest series a rounds in recent memory so we often hear in fintech and sensible like you said is a fintech startup uh it's a kind of a go big or go home type mentality so talk to me about how this round came together the series a and uh, the thinking behind this kind of abnormally large series a round Sure. So, yeah, it was quite the, it was a, a large uh, road, I would say, as well to, to get to the <laughs> to get to the finish line. Um, so I definitely sort of underestimated. It was the, obviously, this was my first time going through this process, um, having just joined Sensible a little mm-hmm. year, year ago. And 
So I think myself as well as uh, as well as the rest of the management team, we kind of underestimated the time and effort, and and probably walked into the the process a bit overconfident. So so that was interesting. And then so we started the process about um, I would say summer of last year. You know, drafting some pitch decks, coming out with a list of potential investors to partner with, and mm-hmm. pulling together a data uh, data room. You know, in and then in September, my CEO started the uh, initial roadshow meeting with in, meeting with investors. Um, and then it was just like a lot of back and forth with potential investors, right. <laughs> lots of ups and downs. You know, we were aiming to have everything closed by the end of 2016, um, but you know the way things ended, it was a Q1 of 17. So things just mm-hmm. you know, lots of you know wrenches thrown in here and there. So um, it was you know a long process, but you know we we're super pleased with the way it turned out. And then I nice. guess in, in terms of like the amount you know 17 million seems it is a large amount um but we are a company of 50 people and um you know so it costs thousands of dollars just every hour to operate and uh, <laughs> we're in it for the long game so 17 million you know is where it's going to last us a couple of years and um the reason we need to have that security because we're we're selling into enterprise and it's a yeah. hugely long cycle compared to a lot of you know any consumer application for example so mm-hmm. so we need to provide that assurance that we're in it for the long game we're going to be here and and we need to kind of have that support so we're going we need that money to you know increase our global footprint to go off go after right. other markets um outside of you know North America and um you know, ensure we have the best product by hiring and retaining top talent. Makes a lot of sense. So um, I want to ask a follow-up to that. Uh, so you mentioned that you, you were trying to get the, the fundraising lined up by end of 2016, but it ended up dragging on a bit longer. Um, so then when you started the process, um, and you mentioned that uh, maybe you guys were a little overconfident going in, um, did you have that runway to play with? Or how did you think about, uh, hey, like we need to close this kind of ASAP? Or was there ever that kind of uh, feeling? It's. I definitely felt it towards the end. Um, the <laughs> later, I was getting a little scared. I was definitely holding off paying certain vendors that were less important to me. Um, Hopefully, they're not but, listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, we we but we had sufficient runway and we had backup plans. So you know, there were you know we had, I lined up a few loans and things like that. Should we need them to just last a couple more months? We we were confident that we were going to settle something. It was just settling mm-hmm. the terms with the right investors. And, you know, we gave ourselves at least, you know, six to nine months runway. Um, But for my sanity, next time, you know, I want a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, better, better, uh, longer than shorter. Yeah. Um, Okay, so, you know, you you said that the, like, the the Series A was your kind of first round um, that that you went through it personally. And so, how would you say your role has changed as a finance leader now that you're venture-backed? Because obviously, like, raising that process is a challenge in itself. And then, uh, so you go from a company with you know a very small or no venture backing to now having raised this institutional round uh with institutional investors and and uh, funding and being venture backed and so how has that kind of changed your role as the finance leader of that company so so i joined sensible a little over a year ago and in the company's just come so far since then um we we were less than 25 people when i joined um, we're over 50 now. 
um, and there was a, a lack of sophistication, especially in the finance group where there was, mm-hmm. you know, a bookkeeper that would come in once a month, essentially. And and so the my first six to eight months was a lot of cleanup, um, you know, getting the finance function organized and putting in some proper processes in place and really just focusing on accounting, um, controller type work. Um, mm-hmm. And so now there's an opportunity to farm out a lot of that work um, because the, you know, the processes are in place and we have the money to you know, spend on contracting or, hire, or hiring help. Sure. Um, and there's a lot more expectations, obviously, from our investors to, uh, to add that sophistication. Um, and so, so now my role has changed a lot more into the financial planning and analysis mm-hmm. uh, to support the, the reporting requirements and, and um, the requirements of the other business units in terms of the information right. they need. And making sure that the investors get the, the right information that they want uh, to make sure their money is being put to good use and all of that uh, great Absolutely. stuff. Yeah. Right, right. And so uh, a little follow-up to that question of being venture-backed. Other than having that money in the bank, um, has being venture-backed helped you in other ways? For instance, like recruiting or sales and um, just in general, having uh, that people know that, you know, you guys are venture-backed, you guys have raised some money. Uh, has that helped in any other ways? Absolutely. Um, you know, we the announcement, I think, went out March 1st. Um, and it just gave us a lot of press. All of a sudden, we were everyone's best friend and the coolest. <laughs> the amount of sales calls I got in the first month, I just couldn't believe. I was like, where, where are you getting my phone number? I don't even understand. Like, uh, every software company is trying to sell us something. So, you know, so, that, so obviously, there's that side of us just being, you know, right. all of a sudden, we're thrown into the spotlight, um, which mm-hmm. is great. But um, more importantly, it just having our customers both both potential customers and our current customers see that we have this support um and and this runway was great and and as well as for our employees so it definitely helps from our current employees and our Mm -hmm. from a recruiting standpoint um providing that comfort that you know we're we're going to be here for a while right right and that sense of uh security uh as well and especially since yeah, yeah, since you mentioned that you're dealing with, you know, large financial institutions, they want to know that if they integrate with you and start using your technology, mm-hmm. you're not going to disappear tomorrow. Yeah, and absolutely. And, and you know, we, when you're partnering with financial institutions, they do their due, due diligence on you. And so mm-hmm. they get some comfort there. But uh, from an employee perspective, they don't really necessarily see the, you know, financial workings of the company. And so they're right. a bit blind from that perspective. So having that... Uh, announcement and and us able to publicly talk about it with everyone, um, you know, gives a lot of comfort. Nice. And uh, so last question here before we hop into a, a quick fire round. And so in your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at an early stage technology company like Sensible? So I guess, you know, you're essentially you're running the back office and, and you need to provide the support to each of the business units to allow them to operate as efficiently and effectively as possible. So it's important that the finance leader gets involved in all areas of the business to be able to provide that connection between the business units. Got it. And so uh, you you touched on this uh, briefly when you were talking about your role changing. Um, And so 
as as the first person who comes into a finance role, you mentioned that a lot of it was just making sure the controls and things are in place. So is it is it safe to say that um, the first person that comes in usually has to make sure whatever's kind of happened before they got there is now up to snuff, and then they can start looking at the the future is that a, a fair statement to make yeah absolutely like i would have loved if i started you know six months earlier for example um, <laughs> you know i actually we just finished our first year audit um this week for 2016 and so i was not there from you know the first few months of 2016 and you know i right. obviously had to like take responsibility of it but mm-hmm. certain things i was like i have no idea what that bookkeeper was thinking <laughs> 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 well, now it's uh, now it's on you. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't really blame it on him. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, got it. And so it's it's coming in, making sure that everything because you have to own it, right? And and so exactly. you come in and and you have to kind of make sure that everything that's happened while that the, whoever steps into that role um, make sure that they're comfortable with everything that has gone on in the past. And then once you're comfortable with that, with the historicals, you can kind of project forward uh, if you will yeah yeah all right so uh what i'd like to do now is hop into a quick fire round and the way this works is uh, i'll ask you a couple of questions and you'll have uh, 10 or 15 seconds to respond to each how does that sound cool sounds good all right so let's do it uh so what's your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related uh, I would say the I'm, I'm part of a finance club um, that's a group of Toronto startup finance leaders, and so we have nice. a Slack group. We get together once a month, but we also have a Slack group, and that's you know when I need questions or advice, that's generally where I go to. Cool, cool. Um, and so, what's your favorite productivity hack? Sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard that one before, but uh, so so I'll let you expand on it. I'll let you uh, take a bit more than ten to fifteen. No, but I, if I mean if I get if I get my eight hours of sleep and I get to go to CrossFit in the morning, I can have generally like a super productive day. Take a bit of work home, and then you know get exactly what I need. And then if I can continue that, that's generally my most productive weeks. Awesome, nice. So you, you're uh, you you need your eight hours, and then you need the CrossFit in the morning, and then you're 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 ready to go. Cool. That, that's that's uh, that's really interesting. And, and one last one. So one thing that you don't leave the office before finishing. I know you mentioned that uh, sometimes you you may take some work home with you, but um, what's one thing that you know you you have to get done? Maybe even like before you get your eight hours of sleep for the next day. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was thinking. I don't know. I always like to finish my lunch. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I guess I, I have a certain task. So I was like, okay, I'm here for, you know, it's eight hours today before I go home or something like that. And I, you know, yeah. I, wanna, I have, I have a to-do list. I'm super into to-do lists and I highlight which ones I was like, I have to get done today. So I'm not leaving right. before that. But, but I like, you know, I do like to work an hour or two at home. So I'm not, you know, too strict with myself on that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thanks again, Frank. I really appreciate uh, your time and and chatting with us about, uh, you know, Sensible's uh, round and what you guys really had to kind of go through to get there and how your role has changed, uh, both as a finance leader and even just being venture backed, uh, how that's changed uh, the perspective of the market and and customers and uh, people involved uh, as they think about Sensible. So thank you so much, Frank. It's been great. Thanks. 